to look at and hopefully be it will help with note taking uh, as well. So we want to start here at the beginning. As everyone can see the screen, if not, um, I know we're muted, but send me a message or a chat or something or thumbs up if, if you are okay with seeing. this other deal out of my way here. Okay. So this, this is, uh, we're going to talk about being set apart by God and for God. We're going to discuss um, Jesus, who is the anointed one, the anointed oil, what it is, why we have it. What is the anointing? Three dimensions of the anointing, the purpose of the anointing, and how to access the anointing. So Jesus is the anointed one. So the first thing we must recognize is that you were created, we all were created for purpose. God doesn't do any, he does not do anything without a purpose or reason. He anointed Jesus and he anoints his children. We are one of his children. That's what we call him father. He's our father. He's our daddy God. So if we are one of his children, you're, you're his child, I'm his child. Okay, I've got another message here, sorry. Let's see. Is someone chatting me? Okay. We'll get to defining um, defining anointing here in a second. Okay, I'm gonna move on with the presentation. I'm not for sure why this is not moving because I should be going to the next bullet. There we go. In Acts 10, 38, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Remember, that's what he did. When he came across somebody that was really uh, oppressed, what do we call them, demon-possessed or just kind of crazy he took care of him he didn't it was no um he didn't he didn't stop to try to figure out what was going on or play around or tap dance against any of the issues in philippians 2 8 it says and being found in fashion as a man jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross 
So this is this purpose. Okay, come on screen. Wherefore in all things it pleased him, Jesus, to be made like unto his brother. And that's Hebrews 2, uh, 17. So, Christ is not Jesus' last name. How many of you knew that? I know you all did. Bible scholars. Most all Christians will tell you that. They'll tell you who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is, but few really know what his name means. They few really know what Christ means. Scripture tells us Jesus' surname or his last name is son of Joseph. That's how they announced and uh, said their first and last names in that, during that time. Jesus of Nazareth was the man. He's the man Jesus, is not the God. He's, but he's the only begotten son of, of God. So he was born into the earth room and God was his father. He left all his power and glory in heaven and came to earth in the same form as every other man. Why? He had a purpose to fulfill. He is showing us. He is our example. He is showing us what it is we are to do. Because we were born and came into this earth realm the same way that Jesus did. So Jesus is who we keep our eye on. Okay? Let me move this side. Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about Jesus real quickly. We're going to talk about him and his manhood. Okay, this is not click. I'm really having a struggle in the day with this PowerPoint. And it's not really bringing him in here. Jesus is Nazareth. He was born a man. Jesus of Nazareth. He lived on earth as a man. As a man, he had no power. No more power than you or I have. We do now. <laughs> but at that time, no. He was a man, mere man. He hungered and thirsted as a man. He suffered as a man. He died as a man. But he fulfilled his purpose on the earth. Now, will you die? Go to heaven? Fulfill your purpose first before you go? Or are you going to have to start all over or pick up where you left off at? There's, there's a purpose for us now here on earth, and there's a purpose for us even after, as they call it. I don't know. I don't like the terminology afterlife, but some say the afterlife. There's definitely a purpose in God's kingdom because it's an eternal kingdom. So what does Christ mean? Let's get to that real quick here. Christ means Christos. In Greek, a lot of people say Christ is, is means deity, but his name does not mean deity. That's incorrect. We are actually little Christ. What the word means is the anointed one. He's anointed. The word means Christ means the anointed one. It comes from a root word that means to smear or to rub oil on. It's, it's for a sacred religious act or sacred purposes. Then the Hebrew word for Christ is pronounced Mashiach, Mashiach, 
which basically we're saying Messiah. <laughs> I mean, that's another way to pronounce it. What does it mean? It means to be anointed. Yeshua HaMashiach is the anointed one. That's the meaning of, of um, Yeshua HaMashiach is the anointed one. So we'll see interchangeably by John and uh, when he clarifies Andrew's statement uh, for his readers in John 1 41. I don't know if I have that on the screen. No, John, I'll read it real quick. John chapter 1 verse 41 says, he, who is Andrew, found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. So he is saying at that point in time, we have found Christ, we have found our Messiah. In other words, we have found our Savior. The New Testament meaning of Jesus Christ is Jesus the, the anointed one. Christos, or Messiah, appears 516 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, documentation of that word. And it's associated with Jesus. And then these two scriptures, you want to write them down, John 4, 25 through 26. This is about the woman in the well, at the well. She says, I know, she told, she told, uh, she said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming and he is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And then in John 18, 30, uh, verses 36 and 37, Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Then Pilate responded, oh, so then you are a king. Jesus replied, you are right. I was born a king and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. Well, he says, I am the truth. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. So that's an interesting um, scripture. Everyone that feels, knows the truth or loves the truth will follow Jesus. Because it's by love. It's, about, it's all out of love. God made Jesus both Lord and Christ. And this is in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, verses 6 through 11. It's also in Acts 2, verse 36. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of outward, his own outward glory, by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. This is the Passion uh, Translation uh, also. He humbled himself and became vulnerable while choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness he has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit 
to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Next slide. Where are we going here next? Okay. Come on. On PowerPoint. There we go. God exalted Jesus and named him Jesus, the anointed one. Why? Because Jesus was obedient to God, even until unto death on a cross. So if you want to be anointed, you got to be obedient to God. You got to die to yourself. You got to die. You got to die and you got to hang on your cross. You got to pick up your cross, as it says, and bear your cross. And you'll be anointed. And my goodness, that anointing, there's nothing like it. Nothing like the anointing. For this reason, God exalted Jesus to his right hand and gave him the name or authority over every name. Now, we die here now in the flesh. We live in the spirit and we are in Christ Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Right now, ruling and reigning. God doesn't say we have to wait till we come to heaven. We're supposed to be experiencing heaven here on earth, as they say. You have authority now. We have authority now. So God made Jesus the Messiah King. This was his purpose. He was exalted. He was exalted King. And let me move this up so I can read the rest of this here. Sorry. When he comes into his kingdom, every time we'll confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God, who is the Father. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Okay, let us look at the next slide here. What is the anointing? What is the anointing? going to make sure we're all muted here too because you're not muted if you will mute yourself because uh, we are recording here we go mute oh yes okay what is the anointing and just go into the meat of it hope this is where you want to be at right in here On slide. <laughs> I don't know why this is really being touchy today. So the anointing, it is Jesus. Is it Holy? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. Is it Jesus? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God? Those are good questions. Is it the presence of God, or is it the power of God? So before we really discuss the anointing. Let us do talk about the anointing oil. God is meticulous in the detailed recipe for preparing this priceless fragrant oil, just as he does with everything he has created. The anointing oil has five ingredients, four spices and the olive oil. The first one being myrrh. 
Mer symbolizes kingship. Christ's body, his body was anointed with myrrh at his death. And myrrh at that time was containing perfume, incense, and medicine. Myrrh and frankincense were given to Jesus at his birth. In Matthew 2, verse 11. Has anybody smelt myrrh before? You may have spiritually, because you can't smell the aroma, the fragrance of God by way of Holy Spirit manifesting himself. Cinnamon. Cinnamon is a spice that is sweet. They call it the spice of life. <laughs> the fragrance is rich and it has a full body smell. It stirs up the fire. Have you ever seen cinnamon? They put it on and it sparkles, sparkles. It, it actually causes flames. Or I guess it's more sparkles, like a sparkly thing than a flame. Why? Because it causes your life to be filled with passion. You to have more passion for God. The aroma is sweet, and it's, it's Jesus' fragrance. It's strong. It means to be strong in spirit, the cinnamon. And when you're going through a trial or tribulation, cinnamon is there. Cinnamon is there to be strong and, and to help you to go through your these trials, these various trials. Trying to see, it seems like I've got a couple questions. Okay. The next one, next ingredient is, it's called calamus. C-A-L-A-M-U-S. It's a flowery fragrance. And then you have cassia. You heard of the cassia wood? All of these were a part of the temple. The first temple in, in Leviticus. The Old Testament times where God came and dwelled. His presence was there. And this was the oil. Our prayers are considered a sweet fragrance unto God. And then that fifth substance is the oil itself. It serves as the base. It, it holds all of the other uh, spices together. And uh, a spirit, uh, scripture reference to look up and read on this um, anointing oil is Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 38. Exodus 30, 22 to 38. The oil, it represents the Holy Spirit. It is a sacred oil. It is holy. It's used to consecrate the priest. In the Old Testament, Aaron and his sons were set apart as priests. And it's, you know, being a priest, you were set apart. You were, it's, a, it's a generational thing, and it's only that family of bloodline that is chosen. The oil itself doesn't have the power. It has no power at all. It is only God who can anoint a person for a specific purpose. The oil is just used to symbolize or represents a substance of the anointing. So we think of anointing, we think of oil. We think of, like we think of Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think of uh, fire or the wind or even wine. Or grapes. 
So if we use oil, it is only a symbol representing, uh, it represents the substance of the anointing itself when you oil and you're rubbing it on. And that is the meaning of it. It serves as a conduit or a passage or a portal for the flow of the anointing to flow through your hand and flow into your skin, someone's skin or the impartation. This is done supernaturally. God is supernaturally doing, doing or making this happen through the Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 7, it says, Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. For as the body, this is James 2, 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So this is all done by faith. The substance that we flow with in the anointing is faith. In order for you to be saved, you had to have a measure of faith. But as we grow and we grow and we grow and we grow as Christians and in Christ, our faith grows. So faith is a substance. So I always say that faith is like, you know, in the natural world, faith is like money or currency that you have in the natural world that you, you use to exchange something with. It's the same thing with faith. If you put your faith out there in exchange of that, God is going to give you something. He's going to answer you. He's going to answer your prayer. He's going to give you a miracle, whatever it may be. So it produces or releases the anointing supernaturally. That's what faith does. It, re it produces and it releases the, the anointing. It's done supernaturally, so you can't... You, it's you can't think about your mind getting into it you have to realize it's a spiritual thing and know that you know that you know what that is ha happening just like you know that you know that you're you're saved and you're a christian oh there's that reference there i'll just put it exodus 30 22 through 38 okay next we're going to talk a little bit more about the anointing we're going to start to break it down some The anointing is the power and fruit of God's presence, his person. Scripture reference Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you have Acts 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken. That shaking was God. It's a part of his presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. That's like an action. That's a result of Holy Spirit coming up on an individual. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the Holy Ghost enter a room or, or come into a meeting or see the fires going here and over there and over here and over there or people... They just jump up out of the chairs and just take off running. They run around the room real fast. I mean, Holy Ghost can just come in, and that's what can happen. That's a reaction to God's power. God's presence through the anointing is power. And our bodies, that's what we do when we have all that power. We don't know what we're doing. You know, you, you can be under the anointing and be prophesying, prophesying, and say, oh, wow, did I say all of that? Was that me? 
Well, under the anointing, yes, that was you. And I've actually been in a meeting where I've seen, I actually saw in the spirit, this wind come into the room, which was Holy Spirit's presence come in and, and begin to hit people all over the room. So yeah, it's, 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 it's supernatural, but it's also real. God wants us to know that it, it, it is real. Then if you talk about the glory, the glory is not necessarily his power. We're going to talk about the glory more next month, but it's more of his anointing. It's his sustenance. And you, you, you respond differently to the glory than you really do to the anointing. A lot of times under the glory, you can't do nothing but weep and cry and fall on your face and like, oh my God, you know, you don't know what to do. And you, cause you're scared to move. <laughs> it's that whole, it's just very, 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 very holy. So the anointing is also the presence of God. He is manifesting himself. He's showing up. The anointing is the power of God. Now, I'm not saying this anointing. I'm not saying this anointing is Jesus. I'm not saying it's Holy Spirit at this point. We're just describing what the anointing is and, and the result of the anointing. It is the power of God that breaks yokes and destroys stubborn burdens. Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because the anointing of the anointing oil my 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 that's Isaiah 10 verse 27 did anybody had a yoke broken off the neck before Woo. hallelujah yes 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 thank you thank you and you know whenever this happens these things happen these are what we call miracles this is Holy Spirit manifesting the power of God through the anointing and the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate. And so we can't really separate even those nine gifts of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit. It is, it is Him. It is also His attributes. But we separate all these things to break them down so our little peon brains can understand. So He can reveal things to us. This, this is when we can get some revelation knowledge so that we can it can be revealed to us. Amen. I know you guys I can't you can't get a response. That's okay. Looks like I have some sorry, someone in the waiting room and I don't see. Nope. Trying to let them in. Waiting room. There we go. This is no fun with this Zoom because you have to you have to do this, which just takes away from what you're teaching and where you're at. Okay, so number um, number four, the anointing is the power of God that sets the captives free. All right, number five, <clears throat> the anointing is the power of God that makes you stronger than the strong man enemy. Scripture reference Mark 3 and, and read 23 through 27. 23 through 27. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God flowing through a human vessel. Lost my screen there for a second. 
And that scripture reference again is Isaiah 10, verse 27. And I thought I had read that that scripture at the open of this slide here. But maybe I get to read it a little further down. Okay. We're at seven, number seven. The anointing, Holy Spirit, is him manifesting himself as the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now here I do say the whole, the anointing is Holy Spirit because he's the one that's releasing the anointing. He releases himself as the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So what is he bringing? Revelation. He's bringing you information from on high that's not from this world. <laughs> the spirit of counsel and might, that's his power. The spirit of knowledge, all-knowing, omniscient, the word I can always say, and the spirit of fear of the Lord. In order to know what that is, you, that is an actual spiritual, uh, a spiritual sustenance. You have to experience it. It's not, it's the different, it's not the kind of natural fear that we talk about where we're afraid of snakes or a mouse running around the house or something. It's not that kind of fear. It's a different fear. It's an awe, a holy, holy, holy awe feel, fear of God's uh, presence and him being a holy, holy God. So I wanted to stop her for a second and just talk a little bit more about Holy Spirit and his relationship to God. God, Father God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We've already said that Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. He's the very breath of God. He's the wind of God, the fire of God. All of these are symbols. They represent his character and nature. This is the character and nature of Holy Spirit. Now, his attributes are where the gifts come in. So, if God the Father is the one that speaks, he speaks, he says, light be, and then light appears. Okay, so the, the, as God says, okay, light be, when he created light, light appeared. Now, where was, where was uh, Jesus? The sun. All three were here during creation. He administrated it. He made it happen. Now remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a triune being. He's still one person. He is one He's three personalities in one person. But this is how he explains how we're to understand God. <laughs> so we're, we're understanding who God is. Um, so during creation, God said, let light be. The light appeared. Jesus is the one who administrated the light. And then the Holy Spirit was the one that actually bought the power for that to happen, to put, put light to put light out there. Now, when we talk, think about light, maybe while we talk, we think about the light as far as in our, our mind's eye, <laughs> it's just the light, electricity that we have in our home, you know, or 
the lights that are battery operated, you know, in our cars. But when we think about the universe and the light, you're talking about the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, all of those encompass light, <laughs> light being. Okay. Okay, so let's let's bring it then. If if so, the Holy Spirit's the power behind it. He's the result. He, he causes the result to happen. He empowers us with the presence and the anointing. He's the one that brings the power. He's the power source. And then God, He's the one that created us individually as who we are. And then Jesus. He is a part of who we are go into when we're saved. We're saved through Jesus Christ. And that's where our transformation occurs when we are in Jesus. So when we're born again, we I'm jumping ahead of some of the slides that we're going to follow. When we're born again, we do get a measure of Holy Spirit. So we do get a measure of the Spirit so that we can be transformed to be Christians. So that the only way that you can become a Christian is to be transformed by receiving Jesus Christ and as you have Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit is in you to um, convict you to conform us to change us into that image of Jesus and this is an ongoing 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 process for each of us so if we go back to the lights and we, we think about bringing that down to the natural prospect uh, we're in a home I say okay will you please turn on the light and then someone goes over and they click the they click up the light, turn the light on, the switch. So me turning, me saying, please asking to please turn on the light or commanding the light to come on, is is the Father God speaking the command. And then the person going to turn on the light with the switch, we say that's the administration of it, that's the action, that's Jesus. And the result of the light coming on is electricity, and that's Holy Spirit. So that's another way to try to understand that all three of these things are happening simultaneously by one individual. And as we have Holy Spirit come up on us, we are physically in this earth realm. We must, we must, we must hear from Holy Spirit, which is through Jesus and, and God involved as well to perform whatever action he tells us to do. If you've ever been under the anointing, and you don't have to be under the anointing, because we're always anointed. <laughs> you don't have to always be under some heavy anointed power, you know, ministry. But because we all carry the Holy Spirit, we all are anointed. And, and he, you know, you feel something, you sense something, and he's saying like, oh, well, why don't you go tell that person, give that person a hug. Or tell that person, you know, God loves them. Who do you think is telling you to do that? I always say, you know, don't take credit for something you think is you. It's not our our nasty, you know, flesh that is having that kind of compassion for someone else. It's a spiritual. It's the spirit within us moving it out, moving us out to do something. And so that's how this process works with the anointing. We're sensitive to the spirit. He leads and guides us, and through us, we're we're the conduit where the Holy Spirit can flow through our flesh, through our hands, through our mouth through whatever it is he uses, we become his vessel here on the earth. Amen? Amen. Now, that was kind of like a, a bunny trail. Let me go to eight. <laughs> the anointing is the overflow of the life of Jesus. 
Holy Spirit empowered Jesus just as he does us today. Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus had to have Holy Spirit when he was on the earth as a man. That's how we began this lesson. He was mere man, just like we are. He needed and required the Holy Spirit or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is a tangible, heavenly substance. Just like the air or electricity are invisible, earthly substances that cannot be seen, but can be felt, so too is the anointing. That is what you're, you're feeling, that manifest presence of God, which is, you know, in, 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 a, in a real brief uh, word, would be power. You always say it's the power of God that's in operation with what, what you're feeling. And, that, and that's why your body responds the way it does. The anointing is more powerful than the air or the wind or electricity. And the anointing is transferable and it can be imparted. The anoint, I've seen the anointed lift when the Holy Spirit is grieved. The anointing can lift in a, in a place, in a corporate setting. And that's a whole other message when we start talking about corporate anointing. So the origin of the anointing. Does anybody know how where the anointing really came from? Where the anointing oil came from? I'm going to share it back in the time of, you know, there's still shepherds in Israel. The shepherds use it to keep insects off the, the sheep. So they, they will put it on their ears, prevent them from um, going inside their ears, because at that time, they could really kill the sheep. They could get sick and it could burn to their skin and it could kill them. So this oil protected the sheep. So this is where the anointing became symbolic of blessing and protection and empowering. Um, and that was the, the main uh, premise for the anointing. In the Old Testament. In the Old Testament times, people were called, appointed, and consecrated to the office of prophet, priest, and king. That was the three offices prophet, priest, and king. By God through an anointing, the power, the symbol of the power imparted to them was imparted to them by God. New Testament times, since we have the Holy Spirit. This process is different. God anoints and appoints who he still chooses at will, but Jesus is involved in um, identifying and appointing the Bible ministry offices. David, in the Old Testament, he was anointed three times. First, he was a... Uh, he was chosen by God to be the next king. Remember Samuel came and, you know, he asked the father about the sons. And finally the one that was, that was chosen was David, who was out in the field tending the sheep. And this is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. At that time, the most that he could do at that time was what? He was to serve as, as an armor bearer. This was this premise of concept of armor bearer comes from. It's when a, a person, quote unquote, if they truly have that calling, profit and training, usually is put underneath a, a leader, a spiritual parent. Actually, I should backtrack on that. I'm not going to say parent. In the Bible, we see the word father under spiritual father, and women can serve as spiritual fathers. 
because that is a spiritual term, spiritual father. So your spiritual father could be a male or a female. And they, they train that individual. And many times they become their armor bearer. They help carry, armor bearer meaning carry their, their Bible and help support them and, and pray for them, minister to them. And in, and in exchange, their, that anointing on that individual's life is being transferred onto the person that um, is being called into that office. Secondly, he was anointed by the men of Judah when he became the king over the tribe and the house of Judah. This is in 2 uh, Samuel 2, verse 4. He was anointed to be a leader and learn how to rule, reign, and govern. This was his priestly anointing. So this is his second anointing. Thirdly, when he was anointed king over the nation of Israel. So, for, you know, before that, sec the second one was over the house of Judah. It was over a tribe. It wasn't over a whole nation. But thirdly, it was a kingly anointing. He was over a whole nation. And this is 2 Samuel 5, verse 3. David was 30 years old when he became king over Israel. And he received a kingly anointing. He reigned as king for 40 years. We'll discuss a little bit more after this slide, a couple more slides down, about the significance of three anointings, all three of these anointings. As already reviewed, the New Testament Greek word for anoint again was chiro, C-H-R-I-O, chiro, which means to smear or to rub, is to consecrate for office or religious service. And still to this day this process happens if you haven't been in a in one of these services oh my oh my my so so powerful and anointed uh it's it's you can barely stand under the presence of god when this this type of um service is being done when when people are being um licensed and ordained it's a powerful uh, presence so Christians are anointed and chosen for a specific purpose in furthering God's kingdom. In 1 John 2 and 20, it says, But you have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by Holy Spirit. See, each of us are individual. We created us individually. So we individually have calls, purposes. Isn't that amazing? It's just awesome. We have to find out what it is. We have to, as God is drawing us more and more to him, that's how we find out more and more about who we are in him. The truth, the truth is he teaches us. He calls us. He teaches us. He illuminates our minds. And he guards us. This is Holy Spirit. He guards us from error. Oh, it's just precious, precious, precious. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Now it is God himself who has anointed us, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he has also stamped his seal of love over our hearts and has given us Holy Spirit, like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come.
There is no doubt that we have an anointing because the word of God says so. But you have an, an unction, an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing abides in us. That's 1 John 2, 27. But the wonderful, this is 20, uh, 1 John 2, 27. But the wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than their deception and now lives in you. There's no need for anyone to keep teaching you. His anointing teaches you all you need to know, for it will lead you into truth, not counterfeit. So just as the anointing has taught you, remain in him. The Greek word used here that is translated as abides is meno, spelled M-E-N-O, M-E-N-O. It literally means to dwell, to take up residence, to remain, to live, <laughs> to live there. This anointing is a living and tangible thing that lives in us. It takes up residence in us. It dwells in us. And best of all, it remains in us. It never leaves us. The reason for this is because we are talking about the Holy Spirit himself, whom God has promised will come to live in us and will never leave or forsake us. Amen? So as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's 2 Corinthians 6.16. And I will pray, this is Jesus, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, verse 16. Yeah. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13, verse 5. The anointing which you have received of him abides and lives, remains, dwells in you. As long as you do not go back into the world. <coughs> Excuse me. It will abide in you as long as you do not go back into the world or leave, live in sin. You know, he convicts yourself. He doesn't leave you all the way. He may let up a little bit. You might miss that presence, that sweetness, or even hearing his voice. But if you're his, his word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I know when I had one foot here or one foot there and I was not stable and standing in the right place, he came after me. Oh, my. He came after me. So, yes. <clears throat> John 14, 17 says, Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because he sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. That's what he wants. He wants us to know him, to know him, to spend time with him, to have be in conversation with him. The prayer of the prophets are, I want to be your friend. He says, my prophets are my friends. Prophetic people are the friends of God. He tells you things. 
He loves you. He wants to have big things for you, big plans for you, for your life. You see, he dwells in you. He shall be in you. He shall be with you. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. In whom also after that ye believe, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Oh, I love that. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Three dimensions of the anointing. What is a dimension? <laughs> dimensions are levels. Dimensions are, it could be a stream, rivers, um, depths, rims, all of the anointing. So the anointing is spiritual. We've already said that. We, made, we know that everything spiritual we get from the spirit rim is going to come into our spirit. And then it moves into our brain so we can make sense of it and understand it. It is a supernatural endowment. This is the uh, anointing. A supernatural endowment, a measure of grace, a special ability from God to do something special. It's your assignment for God for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. The anointing operates and grows out of relationship with God. You must be sanctified in order. Nobody likes that word, sanctified. <laughs> it's a hard, that's a bad word, right? How about consecrated? Consecration. Set apart in order to be anointed. All those things. Sanctification means to be chosen, to be set apart for God's purpose. And if he set you apart and he chose you, then he's responsible for making it happen. He's the one that's going to change you. There's anointing within and there's anointing up on. And there are at least three levels or dimensions of the anointing. I talk about three here. But some people say, oh, there's seven. Or there's 13, I don't know. That's, I only know about three that God has shown me. And then I've heard uh, be confirmed through uh, other uh, teachers and generals in the faith. So there are different kinds of anointings or streams, like, for example, prophetic. How about healing? Healing, apostolic, teaching preaching there's anointing for deliverance even salvation and when you start thinking about healing and salvation and deliverance there's also a lot of um, spiritual activity that's happening and I was taught um, in a camp coming up my prophetic camp is that you know, no, whenever there's um, a salvation that that's considered a miracle a saved life is a miracle. None of which are without importance. They're all important. All important. Yet the most important thing for us to realize is that every born again child of God has received the spirit of God. And therefore, an anointing of the spirit resides within them. 
We all have a measure at the beginning of our uh, salvation. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Now, we, it's not the same thing as the baptism or the infilling. That's a separate experience, baptism of the Holy Spirit um, for the first here, for the first filling. I was going to read real quick before we look at the dimensions here. Acts uh, chapter 19, 1 through 7. Acts 19, 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then, what baptism did you receive? They replied, John's, John's baptism. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There, there were about 12 men in all. What did he do? Paul built their faith, see where their knowledge was, spoke the word, laid his hand on them, pop, they got the Holy Ghost by faith. Started speaking in tongues and prophesying. Praise the Lord. That's how it's supposed to happen. Amen? <laughs> All right. So let's look at the three dimensions of the anointing. First one is called the lepers or an individual anointing. This is that first one that you receive when you get saved. This is salvation. You get cleaned. <laughs> we get cleansed. We deal with sin. We say, help us, Lord. Help us. Have mercy on us. Help us. I don't want to do it no more. You just break down and give up. You give in. You finally give in. He's been working on you for a while, though. But you finally give in. So our spirit is reborn. And and I don't I know if I experienced this, I know everybody else had to. When I was born again, I felt like a brand new baby. And I don't even remember how a brand new baby's supposed to feel, but that it was so brand new. So, 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 so brand new. Clean, fresh, clear, light. Um, that's all, that's all I can remember. It was just amazing. I was like I was on a, in another world, walking on cloud nine, <laughs> and uh, I just all I wanted, all I wanted was some Jesus, or to see Jesus, or to read the Word. I just I devoured the Word of God. I got me a Bible and read it and didn't know what I was reading, but I was reading and reading and reading and reading. So this is uh, John 2, 27. You can also look at Leviticus 14, 1 Samuel 16, 13, and John 20, verse 22. So this is the set one for salvation is for cleansing. It's called the sinner's anointing. Now, Leviticus 14, we'll look at that one for a quick minute here. That will keep my eye on the time. Okay. Blood is applied to the right ear 
the thumb of the right hand and the toe of the right foot. For the ear, it's to protect our thought life. The thumb is our work, or the work of the ministry. And our toe is our walk, our Christian walk, as with Jesus. <coughs> then after the blood is applied, then the oil was applied. And that was for atonement. That's when they said, okay, you're saved, you're set apart by God. That's how it was done in the Old Testament times. Now we say the sinner's prayer. <coughs> Excuse me, getting dry. So in John 20, 22, John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus saved the disciples, their, their salvation, and they received Holy Spirit. And then 1 Samuel 16, 13 was where David got his first anointing. <coughs> So in this anointing, he was strong enough to defeat giants, but he wasn't quite ready to receive any rule or authority, of course. Okay. Second one is the priestly. The priestly anointing is for service. Okay. It's the second level. And God takes what's in you and he anoints it. Whatever that might be. He may be called to uh, be a doctor, be an anointed doctor, or nurse, teacher, educator. He just takes it to another level. The ability in your life, the gifting in your life, the natural abilities and traits he can take and anoint. And then those same gifts and talents are used in the ministry to help build the kingdom, expand the kingdom. We all have a responsibility in the ministry to um, uh, witness, witness to the lost. You have a burden, you know, your heart is really soft for those who who don't know the Lord. And so we have to personally, one-on-one uh, -on -one as God and Holy Spirit leads us because he prepares that individual for you to minister to them, but reach out and preach the gospel in whichever way or fashion that God leads you to. So this anointing comes upon like it did with Jesus. Jesus did nothing, no miracles, no nothing until after he was baptized in the water. He is baptized in Galilee. Uh, let's see, where do I want to go here? And John, that would be cha John chapter 1, verse 33. John the Baptist says to Jesus, I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this one is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So he had no clue who Jesus was until that supernatural action had happened. Act had happened. Jesus was anointed to receive the honor, recognition, and empowered to complete his earthly assignment. This is what will happen to us in the same manner. 
I can recall the, the time that one of the experiences I had, oh my, it was amazing, but it was also very, very um, humbling, and I was, I was scared, uh, fear. So it had to be where I really first experienced the referential fear of the Lord, where he was, liter he was literally there with me as if standing above me and and uh, hoovering over me and releasing whatever he was doing. <laughs> I had no clue. It, the presence was just so, just so amazing. Uh, and and um, it happened like three nights in a row at the same time. And I just said, okay, God, you know, I just wanted to know what he wanted. And after a while, I couldn't ask anymore. It was like, okay, you just submit and receive. And um, supernaturally, I had that visitation. And later I learned that that was when he was mantling me as a prophet, imparting gifts, transforming my very being and my, my substance, you know, my very substance was not the same. And from then on, things just continued to happen. You know, you have those supernatural encounters. And so if, if you um, have had that happen, then God has his hand on your life, and he, uh, if, and if it was through Jesus Christ himself who gives gifts to men, he is the one that gives it to you, part of him to you, uh, that's how you know you're in fivefold. Nothing to play around with. Serious business. You want to make sure that you know your God and, and uh, that is what God has called you to do, and you know it, and nobody else can do it for you. Not man. No man on this earth can call you into an fivefold office. Only Jesus himself. Man is here to assist you in growing, developing, releasing you, licensing, ordaining, etc., etc. Ongoing mentoring and support. But boy... Sorry about that because I just felt the heaviness again and the reverential fear of the Lord in my heart. Um, we're getting close to uh, finishing. want to see where this next slide here is that third, the kingly anointing. It's more of a uh, anointing where you, you know how you've heard that term or that phrase, you've arrived, um, you know, uh, have I arrived? Heck no. I, I don't know when I'll get there. I guess God will let me know. <laughs> I don't know if I ever will. Maybe I, personally, speaking from my heart, is I, I guess once I can, I am in front of him and say, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, then I've arrived. <laughs> but um, there is a, there is anointing that is described uh, that where you are at a level of dominion, uh, in your life and uh, uh, where you are protected from, it says protects you from death itself. Uh, I have had some examples of that, you know, as I really ponder about it and think about it. Yeah, I think I have. I, I right now, where God has me right now, I've, um, I'm inundated with a host of angelic beings all the time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in some, I'm in, I'm doing some things. I'm, I'm definitely being 
um, moved it to, to new places in him, and that's something that's happening in me that's typical for anybody and, and, and everyone that wants that, that is going after God with all their heart, all their soul, and want nothing but what he has for them in their lives. So scriptures for the kingly anointing is 2 Samuel 5. Remember Samuel, uh, David was anointed three times. And so this is one of them when he became the king over Israel. He really was living and being and doing that what he was created to be. Yes, that's what that, that level of anointing is. You've gotten to where God has you where he... Um, you know, you can, well, you fulfilled your purpose. Like Jesus going to the cross, he fulfilled his purpose. That was that kingly anointing, the third level. It's the greater, we call that the greater anointing. This anointing affects the world. And it's not just for, you know, we know we've heard of the well-known generals that in the faith, especially trailblazers and some of those that have come and gone like Dowie and Branham and Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Kuhlman and all those. That was for those just, that was for that dispensation and season. So there are yet those that are, we call no names that are coming up on the horizon and God's going to use whosoever he will whosoever he wills, who will submit, who will walk in holiness and yield to my spirit, says God. Will that be you? It can be you. Whosoever will. The spirit wills and to the level that they are willing to be used by him. Scripture uh, 2 Samuel 5, 3 and 7. Psalm 89, 20 through 24, Numbers 21, and Acts 4. So the anointing is a substance. It is tangible, can be felt and seen, perceived, manifested, and it can be transferred or imparted into someone. You can feel a tingling all over your body, shake. You can feel it in your fingers, in your hands. You can feel like electricity, heat, fire, even a heaviness, a heaviness that comes up on you. I felt it in my hands. Well, that That's more, you know, is it the anointing, the result of the anointing? Yes. But even the glory um, is a, has a different type of uh, manifestation. And we'll talk about that more in the April class. So the anointing that comes upon a person cannot be lost. But the anointing that comes in a person that's in you can be. It can be, you know, you can just decide to walk away. And the Holy Spirit will just kind of fade away. The power upon or the anointing upon is that call. You know, in Romans eleven twenty nine, where it says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God doesn't take them back once he's given you that gift. So people operate in them. These are like your soothsayers, you know, your uh, psychics. 
They got that supernatural power. It's dangerous, but they've they have that, and so they they choose to serve the devil, the dark side, with their gift. But God doesn't take them back. So you can operate in the gift and still go to hell. And that's why when somebody's gifted, the Bible says, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Those who are anointed by God and God's hand, and they had God's anointing at one time, there's, there's still, there's this protection on, on them that, uh, you know, God tells us to, to reverence or to no, not reverence, poor word, respect. Honor and respect. We're to honor and respect one another. So a person can be anointed upon, but not be anointed inside because they left God. So a person can preach with power, but not be holy. Their relationship with God is dried up. They're still preaching and they got power going and everything, but there's something missing. There's something missing on them that was not there. And this, this is happening. It could happen today. It's this reason that in Matthew uh, 7, verses 20 through 23, Matthew 7, 20 through 23, he says, many will say, Jesus says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works and then when I declare unto them I never knew you depart from me you that work iniquity that will truly come to pass preaching the gospel with power does not guarantee you heaven prophesying and expecting money in return it's not godly. King Saul was anointed by God to be king in 1 Samuel 15. But when he sinned and disobeyed God, the spirit of the Lord departed from him. 1 Samuel 16, 14. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. King Saul. Later we see David could not touch Saul, for he was anointed. In 1 Samuel 26, 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. The spirit of the Lord which left Saul in 1 Samuel 15 was the anointing in Saul. Still had the anointing upon him. And this is the reason why David could not touch him. So it was the anointing that was on and not, I'm sorry, not in. In 1 Samuel 26, 10, it says, As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come, and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. It is only God who will bring death to those anointed upon, who have gone astray. It is God who will bring death destruction. So when a servant of God sins and does not run fast to repent, 
she or he loses the anointing in within, but the anointing upon is still on him or her. Only death cuts the anointing on them. So they die with that gift. You can preach the gospel with all signs, wonders, and miracles, and receive and see all miracles of Jesus, yet perish and go to hell. God forbid, that shall be our portion in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, I don't know how I got way here. Let me get back to the screen I was on. This PowerPoint's been giving me a challenge to, this evening. Maybe this is something that uh, little imps is trying to hinder. This is this next few slides is just a, a, a summary again of those three anointings. We'll go to them. Just I'll just let them go through quickly. Uh, the leper. This is the lepers or the first dimension, first level, first rim of the anointing. And it's basically what we've already talked about. Okay, where are we? First, this can't be the same one. Same slide, come on. Then you got the second dimension or level. Didn't realize I had this on here. They were out of order from my other, uh, other slide. And then the last one is the kingly. Oh, this is a continuation of the second. And then here's the kingly. So if anybody wants a copy of this, I can email it. Because it does have all these scriptures in here. Purpose of the anointing. And look for... Verses 18 and 19, New King James reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, so if if Jesus is saying, this is also on Isaiah, this, um, this same verse, but this is also what we are to do. This is our mandate as well. And as a result of the anointing, this scripture can be fulfilled because of the anointing. The anointing is given to preach the gospel. This is Acts 10, 38. We talked about that scripture already. The anointing is given to proclaim freedom and liberty. We also talked about Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The anointing is given to open the eyes of the blind. This is 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 3 and 4. I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to read these scriptures here. The anointing flows in God's timing and proclaims uh, God's timing. Ephesians 2, verse 10, 
Not for sure why that 19 was there. Let me look at my paper notes here. Now that's just a typo. That 19 shouldn't be there. And then five. The anointing is given to intercede for people. Romans 8, verse 26. And we have two divine intercessors in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So that's really powerful that we know that Jesus intercedes for us and the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. It says the anointing that we received has a purpose. There also is a resultant effect. What, what is the effect of the anointing? And that is to be a witness to the saving power, grace, mercy, and goodness of Christ. And to be overcomers in the world and the things that are in it. Those things that are in the world. To be overcomers and to be witnesses for Christ. How do we access the anointing? In Samuel chapter, First Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. So Samuel, and so this is what happens to Saul. And Sam, when Saul is anointed, Samuel had taken a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, Saul's head, indicating that the Lord had anointed Saul to serve as the first king of Israel. So he was the very first king. Samuel then disclosed to Saul several signs that would occur soon after, including telling him that the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. So when I keep thinking about that time when I, I had that visitation and that encounter three days in a row, this is exactly what happened to me. Oh my. <laughs> oh, it was so, so, I can't, I don't want, I don't want to go back there right now, Lord. Okay. Uh, numerous times in the Old Testament we read of how the Holy Spirit would come upon individual servants of God and equip them for a particular task or assignment such as the case of Saul. In preparing Saul for his being in, in, endued or ended, yeah, endued with the Holy Spirit's power. So he, in, in other words, he empowered him. Saul, Samuel told Saul that he would be turned into another man. The Holy Spirit's presence and power in Saul's life would dramatically alter him. Saul would be a different man when he was under the influence of the Spirit of God. The same could be said about every genuine child of God. When a person sees himself as a guilty sinner, repents to God, and trusts him, he trusts Christ to save him, he is born again by the Spirit of God. At conversion, the Holy Ghost indwells the new believer, and he becomes a new creation in Christ. Brand new. That's what I said. I was describing when I said I got saved. I knew I was saved. I mean, you know, born again. People walk around and say they're I've been Christian since I was a little girl, you know, going to, you know, growing up in Salem and Pilgrim and wherever. But, you know, I, I, I wasn't born again. <laughs> I didn't know what the heck that meant. 
going back to this. He says, he, so they're born again by the Spirit of God. They're brand new. At conversion to the Holy Spirit who dwells, the new believer and becomes a new creation in Christ. We, too, are turned into another man. Salvation changes us from the inside out. It keeps changing us from the inside out. We change. We change daily. Salvation gives us a new heart. It is the influence of the Spirit of God in our lives that transforms us. It's trans transformation. The degree and progress of transformation in the lives of Christians is not all the same. But everyone that is born of the Spirit of God will be transformed into a different person. The more the Holy Spirit controls or influences our lives, the more we will see evidence of the inner change we have experienced. Sometimes these changes are external and easily detected. Perhaps our language or vocabulary is changed, and maybe there is a change in friendships or associations or our activities are different. Other changes may not be as evident. I remember I was still smoking, and I don't know when I quit. <laughs> I just, it just went, went somewhere. I can't tell you when. <laughs> okay, such things may include a level of inner peace that was not possible before salvation, an attitude of humility, the ability to be long-suffering. Oh, that's awesome. Or the grace to forgive our offenders. As we walk in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, He will continually change us and turn us into the children of God he wants us to be. We cannot become what we are to be in our own ability, but the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be turned into another man. Might have some more information here that I could have been hitting on here for you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting excited. Um, so in order to... Well, let's, let's, let me go back here. There's there's three keys that release the anointing. The first one, being cleansed by the blood of the cross. True, true repentance. Are you really, really born again? Repentance is every day. Repentance is every day. Number two, now these are not on the slide. These uh, three keys to release the anointing. And then number two, the word of God, spiritual food that feeds us. We must saturate ourselves in the word. We must be in the word. We must read the word. I'm not that I didn't say memorize. I didn't say quote scripture. I didn't say any of that, did I? No, no. I said read the word. Read what it is God leads you to read. Holy Spirit leads you to read. And let that get into your spirit. Being able to quote scripture, John, da, 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 and then, then what it says, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not scriptural. And it's not going to grow you. It's going to actually cause you to be frustrated because you're doing it in, you're doing it in the flesh. It's not productive. It's not producing anything. And then the third thing, to do to release the spirit is prayer. Prayer is relationship with God. Prayer causes you to be humble. Prayer causes you to be submitted. 
It call it holds you accountable. If I don't say something, and prayer is just talking to God, it's communication, it's relationship, it's knowing Him, it's getting to know somebody like a friend. You know, it's like okay, let's have a let's sit down and have coffee. I'll have coffee and toast, and and we can sit and talk. It's what you do with your friends, where you learn how to meet your friends and get to know them. You know, you may not know them until you uh, really get face to face with them. But you learn about them. You see what they look like. You know what their likes are, their dislikes are. This is the same thing with God. This is how you get to know the Lord. He becomes your friend. You're in relationship. You're in fellowship. When that happens, what happens when you get a good friend? Oh, my goodness. You just want to be with them. And then you trust them. They trust you. So the more God trusts you, the more he, he wants to... Um, give you things and do things through you and allow you to do things. And it's like, I don't know what it's like. We want to please daddy God and whatever, whatever, all that happens. Okay. Let's to the side to, in order to flow and access and operate in the anointing, you must first die to self. So the last thing were just three keys to releasing it, allowing it to be released in your life ongoingly. These things are things that you need to do as well. These things here allow you to continue to flow, operate, and access the anointing. You die to yourself. You die to the transformation process. Number two, you got to be in the right place. Right place, right location, right ministry, right church, right relationship, right job. <laughs> Everything has to be, you know, it has to be the way where God wants you. Because if you're not in the right place, how can he how can he uh, feed you? How can he guide you? How can he lead you? How can he direct you? So he's trying to direct you to get you in the right place. When you're uncomfortable in a place, then you're probably in the wrong place. If you've been in a church too long, it's time to move on. If you're at a church that's not feeding you anymore, you, you know, the milk is not enough anymore. You need meat. You need something that's nourishing that you can really chew your bones on and get excited about and get passionate about. Then you need to go to you need to go to a new ministry, a new church, or you need to go and get trained. Like here, this is I'm sorry, it's not in person. If it was in person, we'd be doing more hands-on stuff. But anyway, but that's what you want to do for number two: being in the right place, right location, right ministry. Number three: you have to be submitted to leadership. You have to be under leader, a leader, a leader that is a leader that God has put you under. Someone that is going to celebrate you. Someone that's going to feed you where you can grow, allow you to grow, allow you to make mistakes. In order for somebody to grow, you got to be able to make, you're going to have, you may make some mistakes, but you got to try. You got to get somebody that believes in you, that loves on you, that trusts you, wants to see you grow, wants to celebrate you. Number four, must have the right spiritual father. Now, let's stay here for a second because a pastor does may not be your spiritual father. The pastor you're under may not be your spiritual father. Your spiritual father may be someone else. And as I'd already said earlier, spiritual father could even be a female uh, person. If you're a five-fold minister, and you know God's called you to five-fold because Jesus told you, then you know you need to be under whatever five-fold office that you have been called to so you can be trained and equipped in that office. Mm -hmm. Number five, 
the right stream or anointing. There are different types of churches. There's Kojic, there's Baptist, there's Full Baptist, Full Gospel, there's uh, Apostolic, non-denominational, denominational, Assemblies of God, Catholic, religious, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. You want to make sure you are in the right church. You want to be in the right ministry. You want to be where you can grow, where your DNA matches the DNA of that ministry. If your DNA is that God's called you to be a prophet, you're not in a prophetic church under prophetic anointing where you can flow and grow in the prophetic, then you need to be um, connected to a ministry that can provide that, even though it's not happening at your church, but your pastor is okay with you doing that. And it looks like, okay, maybe the pastor eventually is going to allow prophetic to come into the church and you'd be the trailblazer. You're being the one that's going to bring it in and launch it. You just have to make sure you're in the right stream and under the right anointing. Because whatever God has called you to do, that's where you have to, you're going to pull, you're going to be gravitated to it. You're going to be drawn to it. And people are going to draw you into that, that particular anointing or that particular ministry. Okay. We have a, 10 minutes. It's supposed to be as from 7 to 9 is our scheduled time for this meeting. I want to share a word of the Lord that I received in September, September of last year, um, about the anointing. And so some of you may have seen this before. So I'm going to go ahead and read that real quick, and then we'll end. This also uh, happened during the time that when God was, the Holy Spirit was really ministering to me about the angelic uh, visitations and encounters I was having in my home and I was kind of feeling a little uneasy about it and uncomfortable and wanted to know more and learn more and wanted to make sure I wasn't doing anything that would hinder God's work in my life during this that time. And that was back in September. So the Lord has said, consecration brings my power, my anointing. You must steward it well protected, guarded, just as the angels do around you and around my throne. It cannot be manufactured or produced. It abides in you and upon you. It is the result of relationship. God chooses us, calls us, and his call determines the anointing on our life. It is his grace, divine enablement. It is freely given, just like salvation. You cannot earn it. The more you die to your will and yield to his will, the more you will walk in the anointing. A stronger anointing, a heavier anointing. The anointing? It is the tangible presence, virtue, and power of God. It belongs to us, and we must protect it. In Ephesians uh, 1, verse 17 through 23, faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is a knowing. The anointing is the substance. It is a knowing. You must learn to flow with it, operate in it, and cooperate with it by faith. It is God's presence. It is his anointing that he freely gives to those who believe. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. I'm not for sure what else I have here on the screen. This is my uh, my last screen that just says thank you for your attendance, participation, and support. Next steps are to continue to grow through fellowship with the Lord, studying and attending future trainings. Stay passionate for God by flaming the fire on the inside of you. Remember, you are a unique expression of an ideal of God, born with greatness destined and prepared to do the greater works. Love you forever because God loves you. Our next prophetic meeting will be Monday, April 27th, same time, 7 p.m. on Zoom. Thank you all for, for joining. I'm going to uh, end my stop share screen and I will unmute you all here in a few. I wanted to release God's presence on, uh, on you all and um, Father we thank you. Oh God we just love you. We adore you. We worship you. Oh my God. I, we have no words to say what is in our hearts. We're so full. We're, our, our spirits are full. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for all that you do in our lives, Lord God. We thank you that um, you released your anointing upon us, Father. Uh, and um, I'm trying to figure out how to mute you guys <laughs> again. Sorry. <laughs> and Father, we thank you again that... Um, the things that were released tonight, Father, were imparted to our hearts, deep into our spirits. We thank you that we receive, we receive, we receive that anointing, transformation, that ability, that power, that anointing to change into the true image of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that every person here, Father, that you, they will hear your voice even deeper and clearer in their hearts and know what it is that you would have them to do. Father, we all just want to know, Daddy God, as, their, as your child, as your daughters, Lord God, what it is you created us for. Why did you create us? Why were we a thought in your heart? We know that we are important to you. We embrace that, Lord. We thank you. But we know that you, through your spirit, Holy Spirit, coming and dwelling in us, can reveal it to us. And we're ready to receive, Father. We're ready to receive. I break off right now all doubt, disbelief, unbelief, fear, and break it off now. We know, Lord God, that you love us. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to fear you. We don't have to fear you, Lord. We don't have to fear you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We just want to draw more and be more like you. We don't want to be afraid of the spirit realm. Yes, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Draw us with your love. 
for us with your kindness, your anointing, your presence, your goodness. Mm. We're excited about what you're doing in our lives and what you will continue to do. We thank you for divine protection. Blessings on each one of the, the ladies here, their families. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that protects. And that we are marked and we are sealed. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise that we're protected from any pandemic disease or attack in the name of Jesus. And we thank you again, Lord God, for all that you're doing in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.